we tend to not like laws. We, when we find a law given, we, we can see it almost as something imposed upon us. We do not like, we don't, we don't look at, at distracted driving draw laws as truly personally freeing. We see them like, stuff like that as an imposition, although it's necessary, that limits my ability to be free, to exercise my freedom. Traffic tickets are a nuisance. Taxes are a pain. And even the laws that defend against greater injustices do not keep people as bay as they ought. In fact, many people will commit all sorts of crimes just in hopes that they will not get caught. Law for us is an imposition that attempts to guarantee the peaceful ordering of society, it's what its purpose is in modern polity, and it is meant to guarantee also the proper conduct of disagreeing civilians. And so this is how we tend to see laws, and it thus creates a bias in our heart around that word. We see it as coming from outside of us, as imposed upon us. We have a natural kind of gut reaction to things such as policies, laws, commandments. They may be necessary, but we experience them as unnecessarily imposing. We therefore tend to have a mentality that secretly hates and despises law. We see law as something that binds rather than as something that frees. This experience does not escape us as Christians either, as Catholic Christians especially. It's a common mentality to see things like, like the Sunday obligation or Catholic, the Catholic moral tradition or the teachings of the church, not as life-giving, but as life-sucking. We've been formed in a climate that sees law as imposed and thereby look at all law and teaching, even the church's teachings, even the commandments of God as something that restricts rather than gives life. But this is not the biblical view of the law. We are so framed by this worldview of the law that we even look at today's gospel, for example, and tend to see Jesus as one who's destroying law to give freedom, getting rid of tradition to let the human being be truly free, not bound by anything. But that is the furthest thing from what is actually occurring in the gospel story. Our, our first reading today from Deuteronomy details the revelation of God's commandments to the people of Israel. Moses declares that this law he is giving, he is giving them is given so that, quote, they might have life, that they might live. He goes on to say that you will not add to them an important note for the gospel to come, but that they are the means to freedom. By living them, the Israelites will take possession of the land. They will be a people seen to be wise and intelligent. They will be witnesses to the closeness of God. Reading it this way, we see the point quite clearly and easily. For the Israelites did not see the law as something that constricts or that limits 
our free will or our freedom. Rather, they saw the law as the very condition of freedom. Let's maybe look at it this way to help maybe see what I'm getting at. If it's true that God is the creator of the universe, let's also then also suppose that the truth that God redeemed Israel and was close to them in saving them from slavery to Egypt, would, this not, would it not this God know what is necessary for us to flourish as human beings? Would he not command us these rules for life because he's close to us, acting like a father who cares for his children? Is not the closeness a sign of care from God to want what is best for us? God's rules and laws are life-giving. They are life-giving. And it is for these reasons that they are both meant not to be broken and also not to change. What gives life should never be destroyed. This leads us to the gospel, where the Pharisees accuse Jesus for not asking his followers to wash their hands before eating. The ritual of washing of hands was not a commandment of God, nor was it part of the Torah. There was the Ten Commandments, and then there was 613 kind of ritual ways for the Jewish people to live that God gave to Moses. This was not part of it, this teaching about the washing of hands. It was an accretion a teaching and imposing ritual that the Pharisees themselves developed in about the last century there, and along with many, many other rituals that were not handed down by God. The Pharisees created them, perhaps initially with good intent, but eventually became, these became impositions by which they could judge the worthiness of an Israelite in their religious devotion. Are they following all these things we've given them? Okay, they're a good Jew. The Pharisees, as a way for the Pharisees to kind of exercise religious control over them and to increase and give them a higher religious status. So when the Pharisees are accusing Jesus of not keeping the tradition of the elders, Jesus kind of offers a rejoinder and accuses them of not being the keepers of the commandments of God. He's going after them with a twofold attack for allowing traditions that God did not give himself to become, to become central and even overtake God's command and also for not handing the, on the tradition of God's commandments. It's as if they said everything that God had revealed for the Pharisees was kind of almost put to the side in favor of these things. For Jesus, tradition's not a bad thing. There's many other places where he talks about it in a positive way. But tradition, which obfuscates God's commands, becomes lifeless and must die. The end of the gospel, then, leaves us with the core message that we need in the midst of this whole discussion. Jesus is attempting to recenter the Pharisees on the law as life-giving and internalized rather than imposed. They were these people who were imposing things 
that didn't have anything to do with the human heart. That there is something in the heart that becomes alive when it internalizes and lives out the commandments of God. This is what Jesus was trying to get across. God's commands give life. Recenter your life on them. This is why actually the end of the gospel, Jesus has the indictment against the human heart. Right? We hear that, that phrase. He goes in about all the different things that come out of the human heart. Because at the center of the human drama is both God's grace, which comes to us to give life, but there's also the reality of sin and destruction that we've been born into. God's commands come in as a grace to rescue us from the slavery that our hearts have to sin. In fact, over and over and over again within the whole of the Gospels, Jesus both reiterates the importance of God's law, not a word of the law is to be destroyed. He himself makes himself the center of the law. And he also deepens the demands of the law. You have heard it said unto you, but I say to you, every time Jesus says that, he takes a commandment that God gave and he goes deeper and gives even more to it. Because God's laws do, does not simply come from an outward observance. If I do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to get into heaven. It's not the way it works. No, God's law needs to change the heart. It needs to change us, to transform us. The heart, the human heart, is the battlefield upon which God wages his rescue mission for us. But as I stated at the beginning of the homily, our mentality is to want to oppose, demean, and even declare unimportant God's laws. We don't necessarily do that intentionally. We don't, it's not like we're, we're, we're malicious in that. But we have a gut reaction against the idea, oh, wait, there are, there's laws from God that I need to follow. There are prescriptions from the church I need to live. There's a moral and spiritual tradition that is required of me. This is not to say to, to suck the life out of you. It's to give life. It's medicine, not poison. But it's clear from our readings that Jesus has no intention of discounting the law. It's why he calls it to the attention of the minds and of the Pharisees. It's meant to be what we center our life around. So how do we change our mindset towards God's laws and teachings? How do we begin to see it as something not that's imposed, but something that frees and gives life and sets the heart aflame and on fire with God's love? Today, I just got one simple suggestion. Choose a commandment or teaching from the church, from God, that you struggle to accept or that you struggle against. And give yourself a small daily goal to internalize it. If you ex struggle, for example, with the church's commandment that we go to Mass every Sunday, for example, bring it to prayer every day. 
And ask Jesus daily to help you see why this is something life-giving. If you struggle with the moral teaching of the church, do the same prayer, but also study, ask questions. Like, that's what I'm here for, to ask, ask questions. Look into people's stories and see how they, how they found something life-giving in what the church teaches. But whatever it is, pray about it with the Lord. Grow in intimacy with Jesus about it. Do a bit of reading. Study. You got a brain. Use it, right? God gave us a brain for a reason. I had one seminary professor. He said, you know, remember, Jesus redeemed the whole person, including the head. So use it. And he's right. Use the brain. It's there. We're not all going to be academics. But God gave us a brain for a reason. To search out the truth and to know it. And to see how it sets us free. So pray. Read and study. And do something concrete to help you internalize it. It's the beginning of freedom, not the end. Remember, God's laws, as the Jews saw it, as the early Christians saw it, but we have a hard time seeing today, God's laws are not imposed because God's law is meant to set the heart free because he made the heart and he knows what it is made for and he knows what it needs to be truly what it is and to be set aflame and with his love and truly alive. God's commandments are meant to make us truly human. So let's not see them as something imposed. Let's convert or change our minds and see in Christ's teachings, which we have from Scripture and which have been handed on from the church, we see in them the commandments that set us free, that set us on the path of freedom.